You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. All right. Hi, Ryan. So we'd like to just start off with a few basic questions, if that's all right with you. Sounds good. (laughs) Here we go. First question. How dare you? Am I being detained? Uh, Well, I mean, I'd like to add, uh, who do you think you are? Oh, come on. I don't have a clever answer for you. I didn't come on the show to be funny. I'm Ryan Burgett, and I deserve to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again, the best damn liberty podcast that you've never heard of. Phil and I will be your guides as we peer into the ridiculous reality of our society and our government. Let's get to it. Thank you for tuning in today to Make Liberty Great Again, Revenge of the Nerd. I'm your host, Cam Harless, and with me today is my lovely co-host, Phil Padilla. Boy, do we have a special episode for all of you today. This is our very first interview episode, and we're very excited about it. Exactly. Uh, We decided that, um, you know, one episode a week wasn't quite enough so maybe we throw another one in at the end of the month where we talk to someone who's particularly knowledgeable about something and do it kind of in a a rogan style where it's more you know free a little bit more conversational rather than um just a straight up interview where i have a list of questions that i ask there are some things i definitely want to talk about and we'll definitely hit that um but we definitely we wanted to have uh have someone on who we could talk to about liberty issues and something that they specialize in um so uh phil actually wanted to uh get us started with some uh, fun questions so that people get to know you just a little bit better uh but before we do that who's the nerd (laughs) (laughs) Um, i I would say in the hierarchy it's probably the ex-marine (laughs) <laughs> okay okay uh, so that's why that's why it has i even title. did nose goes <laughs> the nerd definitely <laughs> feel got it all right you got me i'm out <laughs> i'm out of the nerd closet all right so before we jump into it i'd like to start out with a few icebreakers to help the audience get to know you on a deeply personal level now because the people out there are really gonna want to know what makes you of tick. Course. so here we go First icebreaker, coming in hot. What is one article of clothing that someone could wear that would make you walk out on a date with them? I mean, well, that's that's rough. Because if I say nothing, it gives the implication that if someone's naked, I go with them. As opposed to saying (laughs) nothing, you know, that there's nothing that would get me to go on some date with somebody. I'll I'll just go with nothing and leave it to your imagination. (laughs) Well, this isn't off to a good Uh, start, but... (laughs) All right. uh, So uh, if you were to sing a song in karaoke, what song would you pick? Which Creed song would you pick? Creed song? Well, if I'm doing Creed, it would have to be Children Don't Stop Dancing. (laughs) Right, the... The creepiest one there is. <laughs> oh, such a great song. You should hear me in the kitchen. All right. Do you do Alexa the, loves it. Do you do the uh, Scott Stapp voice when you sing it? Stop. Was, that, was, that, was that your echo? <laughs> she, she heard me talking about her. 
I wasn't I, talking to you. I thought time. he was saying stop because he was done talking about this and he wanted you to shut up. <laughs> no, she's always listening to me. <laughs> if I say anything about her, she knows. You have the, edi- you have oh, the NSA in your way. house. <laughs> no, she she's better than that. She's worse. <laughs> All right. Yes, I do it in the Scott Stapp voice. Okay. Nothing that's, wrong with that. That's, it's my that's only, It's the only way it's to do it. It's the only way to do it. I'm a libertarian. <laughs> All right. So last one, and we really want you to take your time on this answer. It's important. If you could be any vegetable you wanted, what would you be and why? Cucumber. I've always liked Larry. Is it because you're so cool? I just like singing the songs. <laughs> um all right, so that's great. I, I I kind of I kind of beefed it up front and didn't you know tell them who you were besides you saying your name in the beginning. And you deserve to be here. Um, right, right. Um, but this is this is Ryan Burgett. <laughs> he uh, he's actually one of my closest friends at this point. He's he's my tech guy in every sense. If I have an issue with something, I'm like Ryan, help me. <laughs> um, I'm a little bit techy, but not nearly as techy as he is. Um, and in fact, um, he has worked on a lot of the cool stuff that we have been doing with the network. Um, because when, when, uh, David Derryberry first came to us and said, Hey, y'all should have an MLGA network. Me and Ryan were both like, yes, that's a great idea. And me and Ryan went in two different directions. Uh, Ryan went into the tech direction. I went to the creative direction. So I was like, we got to get shows going. We're going to have creative and original things going on. And Ryan was like, we need a website where we we bring everything together, and that's where the MLGA network came from. Was was Ryan? Um, David D- Derryberry gave us the idea, but Ryan ran ran into that whole hog. And uh, honestly, I've been between that and another project that he's working on that I don't I don't think I can say anything about yet. Um, I mean, I've been beyond impressed, and so um, that's why we brought him on because we want to talk about technology and liberty um one of the things that i think of when i think of technology the internet cryptocurrency etc is um, i truly believe that technology is and where we're going with technology is the best way for us to get rid of the state because the state if you really think about it was it was a technology it was something that was implemented typically by tyrants um And it's something that people have used to get have specific things happen and it's obsolete. It doesn't like the US government, the federal government, there are three hundred million people and this technology doesn't work. And it's also immoral, but um one of the things that I keep seeing with the decentralization or pushes for decentralization with the internet and stuff like that is that um technology is the way we defeat the state, or at least one of the ways. And so I wanted to have Ryan on to kind of talk about that somewhat because, uh, you know, he lives in that er- that area. I don't. <laughs> I make things out of leather. So um, figured he'd be the person to talk about that with. So as long-winded as that was just then, um, I figured I would toss a first question to um, Ryan, which is, you know, I know that you believe in agorism and working in gray markets and working against or counter to the state um and so i just wanted to see if you agree with that assessment of technology and if you could actually define agorism for us 
and how that might work within that paradigm. Okay. Well, you know, I won't give you the official definition of agorism. What I'll give you is my definition of how I, how I define it. I like to define it as libertarianism with feet, you know? There's, there's you know, you have your libertarian party libertarians. They're something else with their, with their, with their party and their political goals and trying to get into office and, you know, running their feet, doing their thing. But then you have the anarcho-capitalists. And these guys are the ones who really know their stuff. They study up. They they have read the greats. They understand classical liberalism and libertarianism. The other problem is nobody uh, within that within the anarcho-capitalist frame really gave a clear way forward. I mean, they can articulate freedom and natural law and liberty and and individuality so wonderfully, but there is no clear way forward. So what happened was, after Murray Rothbard wrote his classic For a New Liberty, which was the first libertarian manifesto, Samuel Konkin III said, hey, this is fantastic. This guy gets it. He's amazing. He said, but we need a, a clearer way forward. So he wrote what he called the New Libertarian Manifesto, which followed up Rothbard's. And in it, what he described is a practical way forward which is counter-economics. So agorism and anarcho-capitalism have the same ends, basically a stateless system. The only difference is agorism says, okay, now the way we get there is via counter-economics. And what that means is basically going through our life and uh, finding alternate markets for everything that we need, everything we, uh, that the government provides, everything that we have, in order to separate ourselves from the government. So, you know, find everything we need, but through our own markets, our own ways, our own separate ways, so that if the government ceased to exist, you know, tomorrow, it wouldn't affect us, it wouldn't bother us, because we'd be set. So counter-economics, rather than, it's not about black markets, you know, it's not about doing stuff that's illegal, it's about gray markets, which is just doing what you want. So if you want something, well, you go get it. If you want to do something, you you know you measure uh, the pros and the cons, whether it's worth it or not, and you go for it or you don't go for it, whatever. The point is, you do what's right for you and your family. You don't sit back and ask what's legal or what's this or what's that. And what's best for your family is separating yourself from the state as much as possible. So that that could be something as simple as collecting rainwater when the government tells you you're not supposed to. Yep. I mean, I mean, that's a simple example, but I mean, like, what are some, um, which I, you know, I don't want to put you on blast and have the government, you know, come to your door and say, hey, you're doing this kind of thing. So I won't ask you what you do necessarily unless you feel comfortable saying it. Um, but what would be some examples that would be simple for someone like me, someone like Phil to implement in our lives that could help us be more free than we are today? Really, that's specific to your individual life. It's a matter of what you need, you know? Right. Like the people who whose children are helped by CBD. Get it. Don't ask permission. <laughs> Go and get it. That's what you need, you know? Or it's good to have extra water on hand, so collect rainwater. Don't right. ask what your city's rules are. You collect freaking rainwater. You don't sit around and ask for permission to do that. Right. And, and, like, and when bridging that to technology... Um, 
I mean, it makes me think of uh, Ross Ulbricht, the guy who uh, set up yep. the Silk Road. I mean, that's that's an example of using technology. I mean, I'm not saying that you should go out and, you know, buy drugs, you know, go get some meth off of the, the, the dark web. But, you know, that's that's a way that people decided voluntarily, hey, let's get together and you have something you need. I have it. Let's try to do this and not have the government look at it. I mean, even as simple as things that are legal yep. to sell. Like why and he was an he was an anarcho is an anarcho capitalist. Unfortunately, he is, you know, in prison. In prison. Yep. Yep. Free Ross. Free Ross. Yeah, I remember we talked about that. I mean, the government had to make an example. He created a truly free market for anybody to just go and interact yep. and do whatever they needed to to get get the goods. Like you were saying, I need this. I'm gonna go get it. And he's gonna be in jail for what two life sentences. But that was agorism in practice, right? Because. Right. They, they didn't ask anybody for permission. Here's what I have, and here's what I'll take for right. it. And they traded in cryptocurrency. I mean, cryptocurrency is another fantastic way that you can do that today because you can trade value between people. But it just goes to... You can purchase things. You can pay people for your, their services, and you don't have to ask anybody's permission. You just do it. Right. It's just between you and them. Right. That's How long did the Silk Road, Silk Road function before the, the state caught up to him? And decided to make an example of him. It wasn't long. It was only a couple of years. I mean, st- still I'm remembering I mean, a, correctly. A, still a couple of years. I mean, I mean, of course, the state has a hard enough time finding people on the street who were selling stuff. But I mean, a couple of years in tech in technology is ten or twenty years. I mean, that's like the well, government I mean, being behind. Yeah. It's too bad they caught him at all. <laughs> they really shouldn't have. Right. What did it, he? What did he even do they, that was they illegal? Did, they did things. Well, he didn't. I do think anything. it's conspiracy right. charges. All he did was provide a platform. Yeah. Well, he just provided the platform, but then they added these other, you know, imagined things on top just to make him look worse. Even though he wasn't convicted of any of the other stuff, it's like, oh look, he was hiring assassins to take people out, and it's like. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's theatrics. It's make him look like this horrible person, you know, put all these things on so that they eventually get him on what they were trying to get him on, you know? Right, and that's not even new. I mean, the when I think of Ross Ulbricht, I also think of, you know, two other people who right now are either running away or are stuck and essentially imprisoned because they use technology to butt up against the state, which is, you know, Julian Assange and Edward Snowden. I mean, these are these are people that saw the state doing something wrong and something evil, and they decided, hey, we've got to let people know. We've got to stop this. And every time that's happened, there's an example made. Well, and also you have Aaron Swartz. I don't one know. The, I don't know of Aaron Swartz. I yeah, one of the founders of Reddit, uh, one of the okay. guys who helped design uh, the RSS spec, uh, created the Creative Commons license. But yeah, he was something else he was a forward thinker really cool guy and he believed that information was made to be free so guess what he liked to put information out there and one of the bits of information he did was he was collecting uh he was collecting what are they journals you know the the what are the, the fancy journals that they put online you know, by scientists and things okay. that you have to pay a okay. whole lot of money for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. academic papers, stuff like that. Academic oh, yeah, 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 yeah. journals. The peer-reviewed and, stuff. And things that they... That, exactly. The stuff that regular folks aren't allowed to see, and yet everyone uses as the back, uh, to back up what they're saying. 
you know, as in here's what you should believe. And there's this peer reviewed study to, to back in this journal, in this re- reputable journal to back it up. Right. You'll say, okay, well, well, let me see it. Oh, you can't see that. The doctors and the scientists, they're the ones who have access to that stuff. Well, um, these, these papers were from a public university. So okay. Aaron Swartz said it's, it's a public university, and yet they're, they're hiding this information from people. He said, no, this should be free. So he went to the university and literally downloaded the files and was going to put them online, and the government caught him. And they were going to make an example out of him and ruin his life, and he ended up killing himself. Oh, man. But he had so much potential, and there's a fantastic documentary about him on YouTube. I believe it's called The Internet's Own Boy. Okay, I'll have to check really that out because I, I didn't even yeah, know anything highly about recommend that. It. Um, but that's the thing, he didn't ask permission. It's like, no. Right, and why would online. why would anyone think that you'd have to ask permission to upload Files. journals that are public? I mean, I, I, I don't <laughs> Well, they're supposed with... to be public, <laughs> right? except right, right. that they were intentionally hiding them behind paywalls and making a killing off of them, right. you know, even though they, that was the agreement. If you're a public university, then your information becomes public. But right, yeah. as you know, as that's more the... documented inside the inside the documentary. So don't take my word for it. <laughs> as if the state ever actually follows through on any of its own rules. Oh, of um, course not. It's always it's always for their benefit. Right. Um, Which is why we need to find ways around them. Right. So and... that our lives are not dependent on them. So that our daily needs are not dependent on on trade routes that are controlled by the state. You know, I mean, whether it's food. You know, if if you're dependent on food from halfway around the world, it has to has to be allowed by the federal government to the United States. Like, well, maybe you just want to grow your own. <laughs> right. Or, you know, water. Well, don't trust that the government's always going to be delivering you water. Like, collect your collect your water. Maybe dig a well. Figure something out. Move to a place where you can have that freedom. Right. You know? and, and not to mention that, you know, there's always a push for more centralization. More and more. I mean, at, at some point, if, I mean, technology is always ahead of the government. But there could come a time where the, the state could start to centralize it even more. And the government in dc could have control of all power all water in some one sense or another right yep what happens if they decide to shut that off that's what that girl from new york wants you know complete central control of you know the what's your name uh you mean you mean phil's phil's girlfriend sandy Ooh. alexandria ocasio cortez yes yeah yeah no but she wants to centralize all oh my goodness her green new deal that was hilarious just refit every single building in the entire United States. <laughs> Just do that. That little stop know, all the cow farts. <laughs> yeah. The great cow yeah, no. holocaust of 2020. But once again, you know, there's people like her in DC who openly talk about taking seizing control of the entire grid. <laughs> it's like you got to be kidding me. Centrally completely, I mean, think of California. <laughs> how disgusting that is and how crazy that is those people are exactly the, the kind streets of, there i know but those are the same kind of people who would want it who are the ones who want to centralize power more and more and more you know so imagine if imagine if the people who run california's power are say in dc controlling the country's power right and and I, it's amazing to me to hear the people in california and in new york Talk, still talking about more and more centralized control mm-hmm. and they're currently so angry that this Donald Trump dude is president 
Like, wh- why? And they're also you... fleeing those states. <laughs> right. Why? Why would you want to put more and more power into Donald Trump's hands if you think he's a lunatic tyrant who's going to kill everyone? Right. Like, where's the logic? There isn't any. Well, there's none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty easy. Nowhere. Um, so speaking in these ways. So what? Um, we've talked about cryptocurrency and Silk Road. Um, and I mean, what what technological advancements that are either here or are coming are you particularly excited about when it comes to being more free? Well, the top is cryptocurrency, right. which we didn't really talk about. But, Let's talk about that because yeah. I have a I have a I have a pretty okay understanding of it, but I'll like a lot of people I know are kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, cryptocurrency, that's that <laughs> do, that doesn't work. So I mean, I'd like to <laughs> I disagree with it's them, just, but I'd like to I'd like to know more about that. Well, it's because people don't understand it. Well, but cryptocurrency solves problems that we've never been able to solve in the history of the world. It is a it is amazing, like with cryptocurrency. Two people from anywhere in the world can exchange value basically instantaneously. And they don't need anybody's permission to do it. They don't have to they don't have to go through a bank controlled by the by the government. They don't have to go through the government. They don't have to they don't have to do anything. They can just one to one, person to person, they can instantly send them money. And they can do it in ways that are untraceable. Because right. even if Bitcoin, I mean, Bitcoin's way more out in the open, but there's lots of other coins out there, which are very privacy minded, and they can't be easily tracked and you know watched. So this is amazing. This is exactly what we've been wanting. And a lot of people talk about you know gold and silver. Like we need to we need to stock up on gold and silver, you know, so that we have money for when the for when the government doesn't control money anymore. Well, I'm seriously. How am I gonna? How am I gonna buy that T-shirt from you? Yeah, you can. You know, selling your T-shirts. Right, right. How am I gonna buy that T-shirt from you with gold and silver? Once again, what I have to do is I would have to have my gold and silver in some holding company. Right. Okay. And then they would have to issue some sort of token attached to a certain amount of value of gold or silver. Yeah, or and then receipt. we'd have to trade. Yeah, exactly. Receipt. We'd have to trade those, you know, pr- presumably digitally. And then they would physically move the gold or the silver from one location to the other. Or they would have both. They would have an agreement worked out or whatever. But the thing is, we're still relying on these other people to handle this stuff for us. And we still have our physical, <laughs> excuse me, our physical gold or silver sitting somewhere else under someone else's control, and right. it could disappear. Like the the government, you know, supposedly backs up our money. You know, uh, you know what's it called? The fiat. The, yeah, but uh, what's the the insurance on the banks? Oh, FDIC. Okay. Yeah, exactly. The federal, you know, they say they say that we can do that, but that's because the money they have to work with is it's funny money, it's fake, right? Whatever they can they can do whatever. But if you have gold, if your if your wealth is in gold and that gold is gone, that's it's just gone, right? It's and never, it, it's, it's, and it, it, it it makes me think about that earlier point. At one point, using gold, having it in a warehouse and there where someone holds it, where you give them a receipt, where that gold can be moved to someone else's warehouse where they hold on to it that's old technology 
And mm-hmm. that's not, I mean, they, they eventually got rid of the gold standard, but it wasn't an update in the technology. It was just removing an essential part of that particularly, that particular set of technology. So now we're moving, I mean, why did it take so long for us to move past that? Move past gold? Move past gold, move past uh, fiat and get to cryptocurrency. This seems like something that should have happened oh. far earlier than it did. Not necessarily. We needed technology and software to get to the right place. Right. So a lot of it has to do with just open source and open technology. Because a lot is, I mean, you couldn't have imagined all this stuff. You, you know, the, the federal government was trying to control cryptocurrency back in the 90s. They were, they were trying to control it all themselves, but then eventually they stepped back. And when they stepped back, that's when people started really getting into getting into uh, cryptography and, and encryption and building these amazing new standards for exchanging information uh, in secure and private ways. So, uh, you know, that was doing a thing. But in the 90s, you know, all software was basically proprietary. You know, right. you had the, the, some freeware that went around, whatever. But at the same time, the code itself, the source for everything was proprietary. It was always controlled by people. But starting with the Mozilla folks, you know, they said, hey, ours is going to be open. We're going to, we're going to open source our software. People started putting their software out in the open. And they started finding new and better ways to make money off their products. The internet came and suddenly people could share software. So suddenly your proprietary software wasn't so special because you didn't have to go to the store to get it. You could download it download a torrent of it you know or or before torrents you know go to morpheus and download it whatever p2p well exactly so the software industry moved forward okay and with that with the opening up of software with the with the open source revolution everything happening it brought it made everybody developers because right regular people at home everyone started getting involved building little software doing this doing that doing their own projects and then you had people uh contributing to projects getting involved and we have more software today than we could have possibly dreamed of back in the day you know because in the 90s it was the big companies who were making the big the software nowadays you have microsoft and apple and other people using you know javascript libraries in software that they build Okay, that was contributed by everyday people like me, you know, because people are contributing to code and then that code's being used other places, moving all over. But that's what I mean. Cryptocurrency, you know, they're originally with Bitcoin. There was there was the white paper. Here's how it's going to work. But then it really evolved into a bunch of people working together to make the code better and figure out exactly how to implement this just right and how to add features. And then you had other people who said, oh, that's great. But here, I'm going to fork it. I'm going to take a, you know, I'm going to split and take uh, my own copy of the code and make it better in my own way. So they started changing it than other people. So this is amazing. But this wouldn't have been possible in the past because of the way that software was, software was built. But today, software is open and it's collaborative, and we have—it's just a completely different world, something that couldn't have even been imagined 20 years ago. Right. Not to mention—I mean, I love open source software because so many times, so much of the time, it's absolutely free. And so, yep. I mean, like everything—I mean, I—I I mean, everything that I'm using to do the show is free. You know, I use Audacity, open source, 
free. But to make the art, I use um, GIMP. So I mean, like what, mm-hmm. what everything I do comes from this free model that came from what you were talking about, from essentially opening up the market. Yeah, but I mean, you know, our mlgaNetwork.com that's actually open as well. You can see the entire source code for that on GitHub, completely out in the open. And you know, why not? <laughs> um, so you do, you do a lot of work in tech. Um, I know yeah, you I'm a software developer, right? And so, you know, I know, I know what that means. I've seen some of the products that you've created. Um, but you know, what, what do you think has been the most exciting thing that you've worked on when it comes to technology? Well, the most exciting thing I've worked on so far project I'm working on now, I'm really excited about, but until now, the thing I've been most excited about is in, in, in this topic of what we're right. talking about here is the cryptocurrency exchange okay yeah there's a there's one cryptocurrency called blocknet and i've had the privilege of being able to do work on that on the ui for that and what this is when they originally when cryptocurrencies were initially made you know or originally bitcoin and the others started popping up uh if you wanted to to get one of those cryptocurrencies you'd have to go to some exchange on the internet Right. Okay, now the cryptocurrency say, hey, come use our cryptocurrency and be anonymous and, you know, be free. Do whatever you want. Don't ask permission. Except, you know, if you if you want to get that Bitcoin, you have to go on the internet to some website and send them actual dollars. Send them your, your you know, your bank actual name and your actual information. And then they send you this coin, which is going to, you know, set get you out of the system. It's like, eh. It's a, it's a weird way to do it. And, of course, as was guaranteed to happen, the little guys went away, you know, the little sites. Mm-hmm. And the big ones got bigger and bigger. Like and Coinbase, once they got, right? Coinbase, exactly. Once it got big enough, it wasn't feasible to keep doing it as its own little shop. They had to, they had to get in line with what the federal government's doing and pushing oh. toward. So suddenly now they're collecting information for taxes and sending their users tax oh. forms and all this other stuff. So, yeah, well, that's what you get when you're a legitimate quote-unquote business, you know, in a in a totalitarian system. Oh. But but the ideal was obviously that you would be able to trade any coin you wanted to for any coin you wanted to. Just one to one, say, hey, I'd like to trade three, you know, electroniums for two block nets, or I'd like to trade, you know, half of it Bitcoin for three Ethereum, whatever, or Ether, okay, whatever. <laughs> but that technology hasn't been there, okay, until now. These guys I'm working with, these block net guys, they have this program called BlockDX, and what they actually do is they connect them all together, so I can open on my computer. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, they have tons and tons of tons of the biggest coins you've ever heard of. You run those, you put those wallets on your computer, okay? You open up their program and magically you're just trading back and forth, direct, one-to-one, saying, hey, you know, I'd like to I'd like to trade this many of this for that. And there are no user accounts, there's no no dollars going into the thing. Just like it's wallet just, IDs? Nothing. It's just you. It's just it's. I'm the only identifier is your public key. 
Okay. okay. I mean, your private key lives in your actual wallets, but these exchanges are done one-to-one, person-to-person directly, and they're just... It's completely decentralized. There is no central server that this stuff goes to. It literally goes person to person, just with the people who have the exchange running on their computers. Like, it is mind-blowing. It's just a program you run on your computer, and that's it. No website to go into, no logins, no nothing. So, I mean, this is absolutely unheard of in the history of the world, and this is amazing. It's a completely free market, and I got to be a part of it, so... That's that awesome. makes me really happy. Well, and I, I do think, you know, we're we've been talking for a little bit, but I want before we get so far that people turn off the the podcast because people do that. I'm not saying that anyone here is boring, but that's just what I've noticed people do because I see my my um my data that I get and it's like 85% of the podcast was listened to, 75%. So I mean, at some huh. point I see where people turn it off. Before we get to that point, well, it's because of the nerd Phil. <laughs> Nobody, nobody um, likes me. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get to that, I do want to talk about um, MLGA Network Original Podcast that's going to be coming soon. If you're, if if you want to go ahead and talk about it, um, I'd I'd love to give you that 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 <laughs> space, man. Yeah, we're working on a new one called "Thank You for Your Servers," <laughs> and it's going to be hosted by myself, Ryan Burgett, as well as Kim Shang and Thaddeus Preston. So it's going to be an absolute blast. You know, I really just, I just, I just thought about uh, DC Talk. You know, two honks and a negro. It's, <laughs> it's the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But we'll be talking about tech. So it'll be a matter of going through some of the the recent tech news, and then a quick look at the cryptocurrency markets. You know, what's changed in the last week. The idea is to come out with episodes every one or two weeks, and then uh, have like a practical tool, as in hey, you should install this software on your computer because guess what? It's going to give you these cool features. And then possibly like some sort of deep dive. It's like, let's talk about email encryption if you need it. How do you do it? What is what is it? <laughs> so, right. Yeah. I think it I think it would be both, uh, both interesting for people who want to know tech news. And we're not just going to be doing the, the t- tech news you'd read, you know, at, at Ars Technica or whatever. You know, I think we're putting together some really unique and interesting stories. But the big thing is we're coming at it from a libertarian perspective, which yeah. you'd think in the tech space. The tech space, it's it's kind of a wild west in so many ways. And yet the people who you hear who are from the tech space, are they're, they're just like establishment robots. Right. Silicon is, Valley is just filled oh, with commies. I can't with commies. even wrap my brain around it. I know. And not just them, the tech, the tech industry that, that loves all these tech people, like they are completely, you can't get more establishment than these people. So, I mean, we don't, we don't plan to, I don't see our thing as, you know, being the next twit or something, but I think we could, I think we will do a good job just giving some good news from a libertarian perspective, you know. Maybe right. for the people who've turned off some of those shows, like Kim and I and others who listen to, you know, Twit and other shows for years and then just couldn't take it anymore. Like when it came to net neutrality and these other things oh. where these guys are just like sucking the government, whatever, like it just couldn't just couldn't do it. So hopefully we could get those people. We're like, hey, you still want to listen to tech, but let's but we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. 
yeah, there's definitely a market for it. Right. I'm 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 excited about it primarily because I use a lot of tech and I I work with a fair amount of it, but I I've never kept up with the news of it. I mean, when I I did, and you're gonna you're gonna hiss and throw up your crucifix when I say this, but when I worked at Apple, I was more I was more into learning of that stuff. But after yeah, this I interview's left, done. <laughs> but uh, you know, after here, I left here. Apple, um, I've been out of the loop. Like, I mean, I used to watch all sorts of things about tech, but I've I've been out of it. And you know, I watch just the the communism that's in silicon valley and it just turns me off like why mm -hmm. would i why would i push that why would i <laughs> yeah, go and really? seek that out um but speaking of and i just have a this is a question that came to mind um when it comes to silicon valley and tech and the incredible left-leaning of you know twitter facebook just anyone you can name essentially do you think that's a product of just where it is that it's in san francisco or do you think that it is just par for the course because of you know probably cro maybe cronyism has something to do with it like what what do you think it's just that has do you have any thoughts on that humanity uh megalomaniacs they seek out those positions of power you know and if they there's yucky people in every industry and they have a tendency yeah. to work themselves into the uh the ones that are that are that they can control the most people. So I don't know, you know, it's one of those weird things. Like Mark Zuckerberg, he seemed to start off as just kind of a cool, almost college student wants to create this cool thing. I mean, an autistic but, one, but yeah. But still, I mean, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't seem too much different from myself or other people, except that I'm ten years older than him. But uh, or then when he started Facebook. <laughs> right. But, but you know, I don't know. Time and money and power and having world leaders, like, paying attention to him, who knows? That guy's turned into a... He's become a monster. <laughs> who, who could imagine back in 2007, 2008, when Twitter, you know, came onto the scene and I had it... I got... I was an early adopter on Twitter. And I didn't know how to use it because no one else was on it, and it was kind of stupid. What am I supposed to just tell them, oh, I'm at the store? Like, I didn't get it at first, and then I, I hung out, yeah. and I waited, and it kind of built. But who at that point in 2008 thought, hey, in, you know, eight, I don't even know, wait, that's almost ten years. My God. Who would have <laughs> thought that, you know, nine, ten years later that the quote-unquote leader of the free world would be trolling people on Twitter and that this would be such a big thing for news and for, I mean, just like, I never would have thought that I just literally thought, Oh, well, I know what, what Sean ate for lunch for the first, you know, three months. Yeah. Well, that's the cool thing about technology. It changes and goes places. Nobody expects, nobody could have expected what happened with software today to happen 20 years ago. Cause 20 years ago, if you buy software, you go and you buy software. And then you own it, whatever. But the thing is, as people started being able to share software and if people, companies started losing control of their own product, well, they had, a, they, had a, they had to decide what to do. And a lot of companies, rather than dig in and try and retain control, they said, okay, well, 
how can we change? How can we pivot? Right. How can we make money? So they moved to free software models where you basically give away your software. So guess what? You encourage people to share your software. Make sure everybody has our software. And then you provide services on top of that that you can pay for. Right. Or and just that monetize it with ads. Well, yeah, but you couldn't have imagined those things back in the 90s. That just wasn't on people's software radar. But it was because of how technology changed that it forced them to, well, it didn't force them. They could have kept pushing harder, but thankfully they didn't. Other industries like movies and music, they haven't changed with the times. Right. They're still trying to prop up the same profit models that they had from the 60s through the 90s. And that's, that isn't going to work forever. They're trying so hard, but it won't work forever. They need to eventually change like the software industry did. Right, and that's why they're so dependent and they fight so hard for IP. Yeah. Because they have to have the you, state gun in order to get their, their money. Well, that's what they're doing. They aren't... They can't keep making the money that they make in today's world, you know, uh, with their previous profit models. But rather than invest the time and money to update how they make their money, instead they're using the violence of government to prop up their own out-of-date and therefore failed at this point in time obsolete. profit models. Yeah, obsolete, that's the right word. But seriously, though, let me tell you, it's amazing what technology does because even... Like we talk about the Silicon Valley companies, uh, you know, Microsoft and Apple and Google, all these messy people involved in all these yucky things. But, but technology and the free market of technology has actually brought all these people together, whether the good ones, the bad ones, and everyone in between. And we've actually all benefited from each other. Right. That's what free markets do. Like, get this, Microsoft... They started using Linux for a lot of their for a lot of their products. Okay, so Linux is part of Microsoft's product. Now Linux, you know, is a completely open source thing. It's been that way forever. Well, just a few years ago, Microsoft became the was the number one contributor of code and fixes and updates to Linux. Hmm. Microsoft, big, powerful Microsoft. The, they were the number one contributor that year to Linux, adding things, making Linux better. Why? Well, because they're using it now. But guess what? Linux is open. So that means everybody who uses Linux got to benefit from these things that Microsoft was doing. Right. Not to mention they got they got to benefit from the work of people who were paid probably too much to do that. <laughs> probably. <laughs> but then you have, you have Facebook, okay? And Facebook needed better ways to, to render their UI, you know, on the on their website. So they came up with some libraries like React, which do amazing things. And then they released that out in the open. Well, then other people started using it, and then other people started improving on it. And now you have a whole slew of different things that are, that are, that were inspired by, by that. So Mark Zuckerberg can be as crazy as he wants. But because of the way that technology has changed the software, you know, market, and changed how code is done, all right, everybody's actually benefiting from Facebook. Another right. one is GitHub. They came up with their Atom shell, they called it, okay, which they used to run JavaScript on computers. Well, it, it was a, a runtime for running applications, and it went well. It worked well. So a number of companies like Microsoft and Slack and all these companies started building their programs on 
this this framework it's or this runtime is now called Electron. And guess what? Microsoft, the majority of their of their products, of their consumer facing products, are now built off of that. And the software that I make every day is built off of that as well. But because Microsoft builds applications on that JavaScript runtime, they contribute code. They contribute code back to it, and they make it better. And every time Microsoft makes it better to benefit their prog their programs, I benefit from it, <laughs> and my clients benefit from it as well because that's what we use. But that's all because of technology Sounds and the like open market. Sounds like aid to me. It has caused multiple people each looking out for their own self-interest to indirectly benefit everybody else. <laughs> That's what free markets do. Everyone is looking out for themselves. Nothing wrong with that. Everyone's trying to find the angle, trying to find the profit, trying to find the, the best way forward for them. And in the process, the market works out ways that everyone ends up fitting together without any central control whatsoever. Imagine that. <laughs> Well, yeah, and that's one of the things that's really in, the thing. The thing about technology is, for me, all of what you've said, all of all the things that I see that come out day after day, all of the you know the technological advances are really exciting for me. I mean, there's no like I'm not I'm not scared to death of AI or or automation or Skynet, <laughs> um, but a lot of people are. So I mean, like, and you see that when um, this Andrew Yang dude who I think worked in the tech sector um, comes up and he says, well, you know, automation is going to get rid of uh, all workers and we need to start giving money to everybody. I mean, tell, tell me like when you hear that, since you're in the tech sector, tell me what you think of that proposition. It's just nuts. It's communism. <laughs> like there's no, there's no way around it. Who knows? The guy's literally trying to give trying to buy votes whatever you know it's it's the oldest it's the oldest trick in the book so it has nothing to do with technology in my opinion it's just one more megalomaniac trying to get power and trying to do it by using violence to take other people's money and pay off the people who supported him <laughs> right and it, it, it blows my mind because you know the the libertarians out there, i've talked about this before but um the libertarians libertarians there, in quotes yeah yang gang like i, I literally saw people like libertarians, quote unquote, arguing that taxation may be theft. And if taxation, logically, if taxation is theft, then UBI must be a gift. What? How, how do you figure? Like, how, 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 how yeah. I think I sigh a lot on this show. <laughs> yeah, I don't even about... care enough to bother it's just whatever it's communism it's stupid but i mean like you don't i know there are a lot of fears you know that automation and robots are gonna take over all of the human jobs um and you know typically what i hear it because i i don't think about it much but i mean every time there's a new robot or a new something there's got to be someone who takes care of that who does the maintenance on it etc mm -hmm. so i mean like what aside i mean that's an obvious example but i mean we've people act like this is unheard of like there used to be gas lamps on every street corner that yeah. some fool had to go around with a with a match on a stick and light every single one of them every night mm -hmm. and then we've i'm sure that there was someone who was like don't bring in electricity the gas the gas lighters <laughs> they're gonna lose their right. jobs what are we gonna do the, we've got to get the a wagon UBI wheel there. makers got it yeah all these different places <laughs> 
Yeah, what do you, that's just a. It's just a red herring. Right, and what what do you like? See it's it's happening. not even worth talking about. If you, if you really want to talk about, I mean, there's so many other things out there that's actually taking jobs away from people. Let's talk about just that. talking. I, well, I was just talking to, to someone about that today. Was uh, it was re- regarding college degrees? You know, she has 11 years of experience in this field, worked her way up to to be running the entire the entire uh, department. Okay. Yeah. And then. They, they started taking advantage of her, you know, because she's been there forever. And sometimes companies get comfortable with someone. They just start pushing more and more and more and more, thinking I've they'll never there. leave. Yeah, exactly. So she thought, well, you know, go ahead and put on my resume. Why not? Start looking for other jobs. But guess what? All the jobs available, you were required to have a college degree to do it. Required. So... Her experience, everything, is means nothing because that job is being those jobs are being stolen from people like her because of an arbitrary, you know, requirement to have a degree. <laughs> so, let's talk about the government working with working with working with the colleges, working with the big businesses, and all these people colluding together to prop each other up and make money off of each other. Oh, while people like her <laughs> then can get cheated out of a job. Like that's not fair, and that's that's real people not being able to get real jobs. Okay, these are skilled people. These are people with experience. But no, you're not even allowed to be considered because you know you you didn't go through the establishment paths that the that the government and the and the the education industry has decided. Right. Not to mention that you know our education system is completely socialized, so that's well pushed- exactly. It's pushed from from you know kindergarten. You have to go to college. You have to have a degree. You have to do this. You have to do that. I bought into it, unfortunately. I have a degree, but what I found as soon as I got that degree, actually before, I just, you know, the the sunken cost fallacy. I fell right into that, and I was like, I, I've already spent so much on it. I better. I need to finish. But what I found was that you know the market is so flooded with bachelor's degrees now that even that is not yeah. worth much anymore like I, I at this point i you have, have a to get a master's degree. for it to mean anything yeah well i mean and, and even not even that it, it's like bachelor's used to mean to some people who to some companies was this is a person who could who could stick it out and could do four years of college we can we can trust them to be reliable like that's that's what my parents told me you know that's what that's what a college degree is for doesn't matter what you get it in because that's how companies work because that's how they worked back in the day but now it has if if you have a bachelor's degree it has to be super specialized or you have to have a master's degree. <laughs> like I, I I bought every lie that they told me. Well yeah. And now and I'm it, in massive it, debt because of it's it. It's all about value when you have if if Ryan has a diamond and no one else has a diamond, the value of the diamond's pretty pretty high. If everybody in his neighborhood all of a sudden has a diamond or some other good it's not really that valuable anymore because everybody has it. It's so easily available. You could just, everybody has one. But the best, the best job postings I love to see when it says that you need a bachelor's is required plus five years experience. (laughs) Those, those are the best ones. (laughs) So not only do you need the magical piece of paper, but you also need to somehow have five years of experience into like some entry level field magically to get the job. That's the best. I have to be honest, becoming 
becoming libertarian has really led me to hate magical pieces of paper. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> the, the sacred scroll. <laughs> but you know, my point with this is the same elitist tech people and politicians, I'll put them all in one big one big thing. Those people who talk about the evil machines who are gonna come take all of our jobs. Okay? Those are the same people who are propping up the educational system and who are screwing people out of jobs. And if you ask them about the college degrees, like Yang, what do you bet? If he ran some big tech company, chances are the majority of the positions were all you know required to have X degree and whatever. Yeah, you're potentially cheating people out of jobs way more than robots ever have or will. Right, and, and, and that's what frustrates me because, like I said, I have a degree, but because – I don't have the specialized degree or the master's degree. Like I have to have, like he's like Phil said, the five years experience, but like there, the, the jobs that I've had that I liked the most, the jobs that I've been the most productive at were the ones where I walked in knowing nothing and they taught me how to do it. And what was funny that's, is I did humanity. that. <laughs> right. And I, and as I, I did it in, I worked a, um, a job in software as a service at one point. I didn't know sequel was anything but the second movie in a series before I started. <laughs> and But then I, I got in there and I said, hey, I want to do this. Teach me. Show me how to do this. And I, I spent some time on these little free websites like sequellearner or whatever.com. And I learned how to write it. I didn't take any classes. I didn't do anything. And I, I did a good job. My boss was a huge jerk which is what led me to leave eventually because there's only so much um, hate you can take in a day before you quit. Um, but that's like, that's one of my favorite things was learning something new and being good at it. I would have like, I'm, now I'm trying to get back into software as a service because I enjoyed it so much. But at this point I don't have the experience cause I didn't stick around for five but years there. That is so cost effective though to take somebody okay invest a small amount of very specialized training in order and and right. work with them to to get them to be able to do what you need them to do for whatever your specific job is that you're hiring them to do okay the educational system is propped up by the government and elites who are working together colluding together to prop up this completely arbitrary at this point educational system whether it's whether it's K through 12 or college degrees at this point it's all freaking arbitrary because information is opened up through the internet and through everything to the point that you just don't need that stuff whether it's kids spending years memorizing facts that guess what they'll for the rest of their life they're not going to remember but they're going to be able to look up instantaneously false guess facts what? let's 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 be real like false facts so many of them are complete bullcrap anyway like especially well, when it comes like, to history oh well, i can't exactly. tell you how much i had to unlearn and i wasn't even mm. in the public school system but the only reason you've been able to is because there's so much more of a market of information now there right. wasn't that that expanded market of information 100 200 years ago they just didn't exist you basically had you know the the world elites who are the ones recording and sharing information but times have changed and guess what? We're still, just like we're propping up the, the college system, I mean, the entire education system is not uh, sustainable on its own. It has to be propped up by some sort of violence. It has to be propped up by the government because it's obsolete. 
We just don't need it. Yeah, well, my kids, <laughs> they taught themselves to read, every single one of them. We've not taught a single kid to read on our own yet. They just did. They wanted to. So How'd you, okay, so they did. By the way, after we <laughs> after we have this conversation, I do want to talk to you about some of that stuff because I have, you know, Ezra's four now. And, you know, my, you know, Soren's three. And I need to get them, I, I, I want to help them get started. I'm not really sure. So we'll talk about that later. But I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> I need to figure good. out what you're doing because, like, some of the stuff Isaac is doing blows my mind. That's a smart kid. He's pretty. He's amazing. Yeah. It's a smart kid. Hey, you, you know, hold on. You know, going uh, just rewinding a minute when we were talking about how they they don't mind, um, you know, cheating people out of jobs with you know these arbitrary requirements. I would just like to also add, they don't mind pricing people out of a job with these stupid minimum wage laws. So you you get it on both ends of the spectrum. You're you're placing people at, That's exactly out of the right. market with these arbitrary requirements for I need you need 5 years experience for a job or you need x amount of degrees, but you also on the other end of the spectrum, the lower end of the spectrum, you're pricing those people out of a job because they don't have skills to enter the marketplace and no one's going to pay or with these minimum wage laws, you know, they have to be guaranteed a certain amount of money, but they don't have any skills and they're not they're unskilled, so they're not worth that much money. If you, if that makes sense, if you get what I'm saying, so they're, they're they're doing it on both ends of the spectrum, and it's just ridiculous how many people that yeah. they're really just putting out of the market. The emperor has no clothes, you know. And that's what I love about technology, because without it, I would never have found Ron Paul videos. I never would have read a a word of Murray Rothbard. The I three never, of us never would have met. Yeah. Right, I never Cam would have met Phil. you guys. I never would have learned how much fun it is to troll people. I mean, like, there's so much to my life that has been added because of the internet, because of I wouldn't be technology. working on my own from home, interacting daily with clients from all over the... Well, I have software that I've built that's used daily all around the entire world. <laughs> and that's just because of the internet. I've never met these people, but guess what? We're working together to make amazing software. And we're forgetting the most important part. Memes. <laughs> definitely memes that's the best part of the internet <laughs> no not not according to some people well <laughs> not according to adam graham <laughs> special shout out to the to the guy who hates memes yeah. the worst part of internet culture yeah. right it's it's not doxing or sexual harassment it's memes or yeah, yeah, that's the worst part of internet culture. <laughs> yeah. Or Indian guys sliding into your DM wanting to see you naked. That's not bad at all, but it's memes. <laughs> we love you, Adam, even though on this sing singular point, you're totally wrong. You're, you're the worst at on this point. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think uh, I think with that, um, I think we've... We've had a good interview, Phil. I think you did an okay job. I'm glad you decided to, to not talk as much because, you know, we wanted the smart people talking. Oh, stuff. thanks. Well, we didn't want to be too nerdy. <laughs> that was my plan, yeah. I didn't want to turn off viewers with my with my nerd speak. <laughs> but no, I think, that was, I think that was good. Is there anything, um, Ryan, is there anything interesting or something that you, I mean, we're, I definitely want you to, to, you know, talk about the new podcast again. Um, but is there anything that you think needs to be said when it comes to technology, libertarianism, what, whatever? Uh, 
Well, one thing I'll say is that Facebook needs to die. Painful, very soon death. It's so <laughs> useful, though. Like, that's the problem with it. It is, but it's also uh, hell. It it's, is. I it's, mean, it's a place where we all got to know each other. And there's no other decent alternatives out there yet. Right, and that's what frustrates me because every time we talk about being frustrated with Facebook because of the the rampant leftism, the rampant um, just violation of free speech, it's like people are like, oh, you know, you should get on Minds, you should get on Gab, and I'm like, I tried those, I don't like them. They don't fulfill the same function. Yeah, they don't. The biggest problem with those, okay, all of those. Basically, almost every single one. The biggest problem with those is they're all modeled after Twitter. They're all trying to be a better Twitter with some features from Facebook. But, I mean, public posting is cool. And they're like, yeah, put everything out in the open. Everything should be open, open, cool. You know, information wants to be free. And I agree with that, okay? But we have so many, like you and I, our groups... We have so many, we've learned so much and grown so much and become friends and built relationships and, and helped jokes. each other out and made jokes and done things that can only be done behind closed doors. Right. Or even something, you have a topic as, as divisive as vaccines. Every once in a while, my wife or I will post something about vaccines on our wall, okay, on our right. Facebook wall. Oh, boy. My but wife does tell that you, and I get but, crap from my family, by the way. Yeah, but, but let me tell you. Those don't come from nowhere. Those are after hours and hours of talking with people and learning things and reading and doing all the, having all these conversations, you know, about what's real and what's not and what's what websites are good and what's not and what videos are worth watching and what's not. We have those conversations behind closed doors so that we then come out knowing, oh, this is this is good information here. I know. <laughs> so here I'm going to share this. But the same people who would, you know, pick apart, you know, who might disagree, they would look at those same conversations and you just can't have those conversations out in the open because you're asking what's true, what's not, what's good, what's like working through these things on your own. You don't want to have those out in the open. You want to learn, figure out what you, what you do believe yourself and what you are willing to share. And then you share that publicly. Right. And that's, that's, I mean, just, just, you need that that, space. Yeah. The fact that I can have a secret group where I can talk out politics is so important to me. Not because I'm, I'm afraid to talk about it. I'll talk about it with anyone any day. I don't typically do it on my Facebook wall, but that's just because people are, people are too stupid. But you have to qualify everything you say based on the audience. I don't mind defending an idea that I say, but there are people that you can defend them to that know where you're coming from and that's such a valuable resource like i i can i can talk to you or i can talk to phil about any number of like we did tonight like any number of questions that i have and i don't have to worry about taking it back to zero and explaining to people why it's wrong to hurt people or take their stuff right Mm -hmm. like you know how much time i would waste if i said everything that i said in our secret groups that if I said that in public, you know how many friends I would lose. <laughs> well, but but also something as simple as a joke, you know. Right, right. You, if you you make certain jokes in certain contexts because you understand that the people there will understand what you're talking about and won't take it wrongly. You right, know, they'll, they'll understand out. the reference. I mean, a lot of people they could lose their jobs if they if they spoke their mind. 
because that's just the world we live in. It's like the the the, the establishment, everything is just closing in. You know, speech is being chopped off everywhere. People are losing their jobs because of things they say in social media. We need secret private areas to have conversations with people of like mind. I had a close call with that in October with the, the job that I'm working at now, which I do not put on anything connected to my name at all because I'm not, I'm, I, I'm, in fact, I, there's some, there's some places where I should just remove myself completely. But like at the job that I was working, some people decided they didn't like one of their coworkers and decided they wanted to take him down and decided, Hey, let's take down cam while we're at it. And so they made up all sorts of lies one of them was that I um, would have open conversations condemning abortion. Nice. <laughs> which is like, which is like, yeah, okay, I'm I'm pro life. I think killing babies is wrong, and if you don't like that, too bad. But in public, where I'm your boss and I'm at work, I don't talk about that because I know that I could lose my job. And so this this girl decided to tell. Um, my boss in the HR department that I would have these conversations and condemn abortion when in fact she would be on her phone when I've told her not to be on her phone um, on Facebook having an, an argument about abortion and then she would say something out loud and I'd be like I don't really want to talk to, about that and I don't think we're going to agree that's that's not Hateful. saying anything <laughs> yeah. but I, I got close I got close to losing my job for denying the conversation Works works like the dinner ah. table rules. You can't you shouldn't discuss money, politics, religion at the dinner table. And so you don't do it at work either. But it's not just at work, it's everywhere now. That's true. Some person goes to some march to some march to report on it, you know, to see what's going on, and they find out the next week they got pictured by somebody and doxxed and now they've lost their job. Right, right. and that's and the, the the girl even claimed that I told okay, so um one of the things was that Apparently, I had told them that they were going to hell. Didn't happen. Not the way I talk. And secondly, one of the girls said, <laughs> you know, Cam said, Cam said that, um, that really deep down I'm still a Christian and I just don't know it. What does that mean? You're, holy bad theology. I would never do that. <laughs> you're going to hell, sinner. Repent. Repent. But but you're actually you're actually secretly a Christian and you'll figure it out someday. How do these things match? Yeah. That makes sense. Like <sighs> that sounds like a well rounded, perfectly put together yeah. individual right there. Oh, oh it is. But yeah, she's not with the company anymore. Thank uh, Yeah, Lord. I had a similar uh story where like I was eating lunch in the break room, like right after uh Trump got elected. And this guy goes, I mean, they're, t- they're of course, you know, they're criticizing Trump on the television in the break room and everyone's gathered around it in their little clique. And this guy goes, you know, Trump's the only, ac- you know, the- what did he say? He goes, Trump's the only U.S. president who never served in the military. And I, I just went, what? <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, it was, it wasn't even like, it was just a reflex. I was just like, what? That's not true. Like, <laughs> like wasn't Clinton literally a draft like, dodger? None of them have. For the most part, <laughs> and, and but you should have just seen it like it was just like the face of groupthink just turned. They all turned and were just like, "What?" And I was like, "Oh, I gotta go. Hold on, I'll eat my lunch somewhere else. See ya. Not getting fired. Not getting fired for this. <laughs> Not getting fired for that, buddy." All that to say, yeah. All that to say, my new project. 
hopefully might be able to do it in some small ways for some people scratch that itch so we'll see time will tell but i'm excited to uh to get something to show <laughs> excited right. to have the prototype done right yeah well and I, i'm i'm glad to have been able to be a part of it and give give little pieces here and there of ways i could help <laughs> mm, mm. um but yeah so i think i think that we should probably call it it's been about an hour and i don't think anyone's going to listen past that um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they might. Unless you think we get fiery. Um, unless you think the possibility of Terminators is real. Do you think Terminators could happen? Specifically, Terminator Two: Judgment Day. <laughs> See, that's already happening, and we don't need Terminators to do it. We have people in blue suits with badges who do that every day. I mean, come on. <laughs> Once again, people talk about these these nightmare scenarios when the fact is we see these things already. You know. So come on, let's talk about the let's talk about the real issues. But no, it's a long it's a freaking long time. Look at look at your ads on Facebook and Amazon and Google and see how smart AI is these days. You know, we're not going to have either they're going to or there's going to be a bigger nightmare than we realize because they're going to release, you know, today's AI with weapons. That's pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> or they're just, you know, it's going to be, you know, generations before they're they're at that well, level i do so. get a little freaked out when like I, I turn to my wife and i say hey what do you think about replacing our washer and dryer and then i get a notification on facebook and then i see an ad from home depot a sponsored ad for a washer and dryer <laughs> yeah but of course that's so rudimentary that doesn't take any sort of reasoning or well my know, point is my my personal whatsoever. fbi agent or nsa analyst that you know, follows me around. They're looking out for yeah, you. Yeah, they're looking out. They're, I mean, it's not, you know, it's all right. <laughs> I mean, they could have maybe done a better ad, a little, like, 20% off or something, but what are you going to do? Hey, Alexa. Uh-oh. Here we go. Thank you for your service. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't she sweet? <laughs> all right. So I, I, think, I think we're going to call it, and I have one last question for you, Ryan. All right. What is the best movie ever made, and why is it Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> because Zack Snyder is a freaking genius. <laughs> See, the thing is, when Man of Steel came out, people were shocked because they flattened the entire freaking city, and it was disgusting. And you're the viewer watching this, going, "Is this guy really a good guy? I mean, did he really save anybody? He literally destroyed the entire city." <laughs> All right, folks, thank you for having been a fun with us and joining us on our first foray into our interview series. A very, very special thank you to Ryan Burgett for coming on and dealing with us. He definitely had the right to be here. <laughs> he, he deserved to be here. But no, I really, I really can't say thank you enough to him, although I totally forgot to during the actual interview. Because you're a jerk. Correct. Um, but yeah, no, thank you, Ryan. Uh, we couldn't have had an interview with Ryan Burgett without you. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Patreon. Just type in this is MLGA. If you'd like to send us an email, type it again at gmail.com. Yep, and hit us up, subscribe, and make sure to rate us on iTunes. It helps us grow and guarantees new episodes. That really helps us. The uh, the reviews and the ratings really helps us um, hopefully get put on the new and noteworthy section of iTunes. That's our new goal. So let's make let's make sure we're doing that. Also, don't forget to check out the MLGA network. 
We're a small and scrappy group of libertarians that share all of the best liberty podcasts on mlganetwork.com. Make sure to check that out. And we're going to even have more original shows like we mentioned in this this episode um, coming very soon. So keep an eye out for thank you for your servers. Um, Should be coming soon. Has some good personalities on it. I can't wait to hear the first episode. And as always, we're happy to be here and we're happy you're with us. Stay sane, everybody. Thank you.